Welcome to the Yellow Pill Podcast. My name is Wale. And my name is Toby. Each week, we take on familiar dilemmas and wicked problems that we all face. On the Yellow Pill, you can expect intimate conversations and provocative questions that can change the way you experience the world. So, shall we begin? Hello everyone. Welcome back to the Yellow Pill. This is Season 6, Episode 5. Have you ever faced an experience where you feared for your life? An experience where you thought this might be the last day you probably might live. An experience where it was so terrifying that you began to question everything that's happened to you so far. This episode, we spoke about terrifying experiences and experiences that could have changed our lives in the fatal sense. We joined up and teamed up with Tola. Tola is a friend of ours who's a cybersecurity researcher in England. She also has some experience in cybersecurity back home in Nigeria. Was a storytelling conversation it was one when we spoke about different experiences of fear and terrifying experiences and how we've made sense of that and how that might have shaped us today. The episode taught me a number of things. It taught me to be loving, to be kind, merciful, forgiving, encouraging, grateful, non-judgmental, and to be useful. Hope you enjoy. Okay, um, a bit of a weird episode today. Tala. Um, thanks for coming I was saying earlier that even though this is your first time I don't think it's going to be your last because I think there's somebody who I have a lot to unpack with um, across oh yeah 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 unpack with across different topics so I'm sure this is not your last episode um, that you come on I'm, that one I'm very sure but I thought we'll start with this one because this one requires a lot of um, thinking back to the past and I didn't want time to go with us with the the thoughts and experiences I'm going to talk about f- yeah. f- fade out memory in that sense. And it's a very, I don't think people talk about this at all. It's like, why are we talking about near death experience? It's like, what the hell? Toby, your chair's making too much noise, please. I take know, take I know, a, I know, I know. all your chair in the morning when you wake up. To be fair, mine is actually worse. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting down on, on a different one today that oh, has no armrest. <laughs> it's all so, right. Go on, go on, go on. I'll go switch it now. But go on, go on. Keep no, it's fine. It's fine. It's no, fine. I can hear you guys. I can hear you guys. Um, but yeah, I think no one talks about this, and probably rightfully so, because why are we talking about near-death experience? Mm-hmm. But I think why I picked my interest is that you know, obviously, death is the most fatal thing and final thing that can happen, right? Yeah. But sometimes, when you smell that line, when you see that line, when you know, as I say, your life flashes before your eyes, or when you experience some level of terrible experience, it must, it can't be a trivial thing that you just happen and move on from. Yeah. It has to be something that might change, change your perspective on life, but also just change how you are as a person, right? Yeah. And I think people who survive, I use the word survive because it's a near-death experience, but people who survive near-death experiences might be alienated in our culture. Right, because first of all, you have to manage how society has failed you in some sort, if that experience of society's fault in quotes. Right. But also like you have to, you know, bask in that idea of, oh my God, I was either going to end it here and this would have happened to me. Right. And it's like people then awaken from that experience as a redefining moment, you know, and they either repress it, yeah. like put in memory. Mm-hmm. Or you go on yeah. like a long journey of making sense of it, right? Yes. And and that and that is my peak interest. You know, how do you make sense of near death experiences, right? How do you find some meaning to that? 
does it matter? You know, why should we think about it? So I think this episode is going to be more of a storytelling episode for all our experiences. Um, to be, I'm not sure you have as as deep as as we do. To be fair, um, but I think it's going to go from you, me to Tola, because mine is mine is not as deep as Tola's. Um, mm. But but I've read Tola's story, and I just thought that was very interesting to talk about. Um, yeah. So from personal personal observation, right? I think people yeah. have different ways of responding to negative experiences, right? Some people have faced negative experience and go, you know what? I needed that to happen to me, right? I needed that, that, that. I needed to feel that. I needed that awakening. I needed to see that, you know, there's it's life. Like yeah, like a trigger, right? I needed to understand that. Oh well, there's some form of thing that I need to change about myself, right? And they feel saved at that point. And some some others might just go through that experience and just be like, you know what? It was only just that we, they reduce it you know you you take on that reductionist mindset you know where you just say you know well this was part of life and this this may be something that people who are much more i don't know very very scientific or very very realistic may may approach like yeah. you know what's the big deal as long as the outcome did not happen you get <laughs> your dad <laughs> she said her dad. <laughs> uh, I love, I love his phrase. Such is life. Such is life. Exactly. So, so, so you have people that so say such is life, right? And and they go and then, on and they and go on with like, that. Let's thank God for life. Yeah. <laughs> and then you have I others who then who life. then who then go around and say, well, you know, what did I do, right? Like. What was my role? Why, why did this happen to me? Like they try and they try and internalize that as themselves. No. And, and like, you know, the African mothers who then know, start asking, yeah. who are the people doing us? Doing <laughs> us, exactly, right? So you have different, different ways of, and I, I think it shifts a lot of things because it depends on what kind of level of experience. But let me start by sharing. I don't have many stories. Um, just, I think I'll, I have one or two, but there's one that, that comes to mind. But this one is interesting because it happened, I think you probably know about this already, but this one happened when I was very young. And it was not a near-death experiment, but it wasn't near-death, but it was terrifying in the sense. And this was a classic arm robbery in an Nigerian home, right? So I think, I guess I was primary school, of course. Um, I'm not even sure what age anymore, but I know I was probably 10 or 9, thereabout. And then... We're living in Bodija and Antobi, as you know, which was that Bodija, um, Bodija Ibadan. Yeah, yeah. Near, next to that uh, school. That school. Yeah, Bodija International School of Shitoko. So, so from the point where I remember, right, I woke up to like, mm. so it was like a random night. I think it was the day before Monday, actually, Sunday morning. So I woke up to, so our house then, let me describe the house. So our house was like, you know, a classic Ibadan house in that sense where it's in an estate you have a gate compound then the compound has like a bit of space and then you have like a bungalow that is stretched across let's say about I don't know 10 meters thereabout or maybe even more I'm, I'm not sure about the metrics of the length of the building and then of course you then have behind your house be maybe another road which might be a main road or might be an estate road so for us behind the house was the main road which was where like a main road for cars and in front of the house was the estate road so our house was backing the main road and facing the estate inside the estate, estate. so 
I just know that I woke up to um, gunshots, right, from my window. So let, let me not describe my house setting at that point. So my, my parents' house, or my house at that point, had one, two, three, four rooms, right? So my sister's room, I had a room, my mom's room, my dad's room. But my mom slept, we slept in my dad's room, but my, dad's, but my mom's room led to my dad's room, in the sense. So the master bedroom was the final room. And then my mom's room, which I, where I slept, because it had a very good AC, um, led to that room. So, so I always slept there in that room. My room was just like a store slash my room in that sense, on the other side of the house. So I just woke up to gunshots through my... No, actually, I didn't even wake up. I, I woke up to the sound of someone pulling my leg from the bed, right? And then when, I, when my leg was pulled, because it was a very huge bed, it was a double king-sized bed, a very huge bed. So, so, like, my, my leg was pulled from across the bed. And then as soon as my leg was pulled, I, I began to hear the gunshots through the window of where I was sleeping. Hmm. Right? Now, at this point, I realized that my dad was shooting a gun, double-barrel double gun, out the window. Right? <laughs> from the room where I was sleeping. Right? And I was hearing noises outside. And my mom was, like, shouting my name to, like wake up and get up and get up so she pulled me on the bed so while i lying on the bed pulled me on the bed while my dad was obviously standing shooting above where i was on the bed so so, so, so you can't imagine Stop. a bed a bed next to you may honestly this was like a movie like experience i can't explain <laughs> it and that is like a proper gangster and and at this point so so, so his gun that he had was a double barrel gun and this gun was, you know, one of those ones where you load two bullets and stuff two and you shoot, and boom. Do, pa, pa. But yeah, I have a question. Please. Go on. First of all, why does it have a double good, good question. So I never really asked, right? I thought, <laughs> yeah. and, 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 and I thought it was normal, right? Well, I thought it was normal. Um, okay. But my dad was a bit, I won't say westernized, but he... He spent, a, he spent a lot of time in the UK. He traveled a lot to America. So I think he... I don't know, but he had a gun. He had a license gun in Nigeria. And it was licensed, it was legit, all of that. And bullets and stuff. And, and obviously, even, even in the house, before that attack came, I, I used to see the gun. It was under the bed. I used to play with the gun, bullets, look at it. Like, so, but at that point, I never really did that. This was, I mean, I didn't play with the gun. Let's, not, let's, yeah. let, let's get it right. Okay. I played with the bullets. Okay. okay. Right. I might look at the gun, maybe like when I'm bored in the afternoon, just look at it. Oh, you know, that, that is gone. You know. you know, it was like a gold and brown kind of gun long anyway and then i wake I, I woke up to someone pulling my leg across the bed and i gunshot through the window and then next thing i just realized is my dad is shooting from the room where i'm in outside the window and then my mom is pulling me out of the room and then and then she's saying like like wake up like like there's amber bars in the house some something like that and then i'm just like what the hell is going on? What is this? Like, but I'm thinking like, boom, but I'm hearing boom, boom, boom. I'm, I'm hearing, I'm, I'm, I'm just like, what is going on? And then next thing I know is, so again, the house, so once you leave my room, it's like a long corridor to all the rooms, right? So kitchen, sister's room, back to, back to living room in front, and back to my room down. So my room was at the bottom of the corridor, my room where, where, where I should be staying, but I was not staying. And my mom pulled me out and, and told me to go there and crawl down to that room. Now, when I crawled down to that room, no, no, actually, sorry, sorry, sorry. I first, first, first crawled to the living room. And then that's when I saw shadows 
of the men trying to break the door. All right. So before then, interestingly, we, our door in the house, we always had two doors that, that for the for, for living room. One like wooden door with a lock and one um, metal and glass door glass outside. Door. And every night, we, my dad would say, okay, lock the door with a padlock, lock them. And we was like, why are we doing all this stress? Like, there is, there is nothing happening in this estate. It's calm. Like, but every night, the ritual, lock, lock the gate with this, lock the gate with that, lock the gate with this, lock the gate with that. You get that kind of thing. But you just wonder, why are we doing all this stress? Why? Anyway, so apparently, they came in from the, the climb defense and came in and are trying to enter the gate. So, when we moved to the living room, caught the living room, and we saw the shadows, my mom then said, let's crawl back to Marimar, the bottom end of the house. Right? At this point, I'm still hearing gunshots. Pam, pam, pam. And at, at some point, I just like froze. And I remember that I just peed on myself while I was in my room <laughs> under my bed. Like, I, I, I never knew what it meant to not like control. I couldn't control my brother at that point. And at this point, I was, I was, I was old enough to be weighing properly, of course. I said I was 11 or 12 there about, right? No, actually, I was even more than that. I was thinking I was like 12 or 13. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah, at that point, I was, I was, I was, I was at the nice eye. With it myself. And every moment we're waiting, crawling down there, and, and you heard like a sound or somebody moving, it was a scary shit because you've seen all the movies, right? You've seen all these things. Yeah. And if those guys enter the house, you're wondering, well, after they've been shot at, they are probably not going to take it easy. Yeah, if I know just, yeah. just, got, just got robbed, got, you probably don't know just, you get my point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you're not going to just get robbed. Get, get, yeah, ex- exactly. And then, I remember like, it was like, I froze for a sec, but in that fr- in that freezing, there was so much fear. Like I was thinking, like, what what is going on? And then and then myself were were probably like, I don't, I think somebody was crying, somebody was praying, somebody was, I think praying. Yeah, so I, I, I think my, my mom was praying, and myself was crying. And then I, I was I was like on the floor, with my eyes closed, just looking down and just thinking, like every every sound I hear could be like anybody entering the house, and that's where. And then, a lot today, but go on. sorry, sorry, sorry. And then, I saw like that's I think I, I think experience. <laughs> experience. <laughs> I think I think after like ten minutes, it was silent. And while it was silent, we're not sure whether they had gone. Hmm. Right, because you have to check, right? I know should I, we call the police, but police ain't gonna show up, are they? Like I think they showed up, but showed up afterwards, I guess. Yeah. And. And then my sister then said that she saw them climbing out from the climbing the fence from the back, back fence out, into the streets. Yeah. So I think after that experience happened, I think that, that also made me become somebody who was like main things are, are not as deep as people say them to be, because it's just like expect the worst of, of, of everything that can happen. Yeah. Right? And you can be one moment of one moment from from all of that and at that point like i never ever thought yeah um i blame police for not being able to um come and rescue us sometime you know no one one ever thought that because we all knew that in our environment you're not alone but you're almost kind of like left left to yourself in that sense because i was going to ask that didn't you have neighbors hearing gunshots and all that yeah, we did. Neighbors next next to us back to back. But they came in the morning, like seven a.m. after everything had happened. And they're like, 
and then like and then, and then like the, the, the entire estate now came so the, so the estates what they call them those estate councillor whatever their names are yeah. the, the, the neighbours would come they would inspect we had like broken broken wind. all our windows were actually broken I think all the windows in the living room were broken all the, all the windows in my, my mom's room were broken my sister's room were broken it was crazy and that's why to remember that jeep we had had gunshot marks marks yeah yeah, yeah. on it so yeah, it was it, it was from that incident <laughs> that the car had gunshot marks and we left those gunshot marks on that car for like for, for like for like two years you know just <laughs> just just as a reminder just, just remember yeah and they shot that shots back <laughs> but it's busting my head by so, like, bamboozing them while they were bamboozing so people. and so which is why i think in my in my own sense as well like that's why even now like when i hear about gun laws in america i'm not always too harsh to shout about it oh because because, yeah, because i know my own experience if not for, if, for if, if if not for that right no one knows what have happened right yeah. and i had sisters and i had sisters you know niger so even for that no one knows what have happened so that's why like again that's like that's what kind of shaped my thoughts about Guns and protection. I, I think I said this in episode last season, didn't I? Or was it was it during our episode in Toby? Where I spoke about gun laws and stuff. Gun laws, was, yeah. I think it was this. It was the off season, but yeah. Yeah, oh, oh, yeah, off season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, that's my experience with. Uh, that's one of them that I'll start with. Um, yeah, let me move on to you, Tola. In terms of your own experience, I know yours is yours is more, first of all much more recent, and. Yeah. I don't think mine mine is maybe more relatable given that Amrabis happened quite a lot. But yours is, okay. is I think one of a kind. <laughs> okay. Don't, don't um give any spoilers. But yeah, go on, Tola. Yeah. It was weird because first of all, it was NYC now. Everybody was mm. happy to get followed letters. And I know my friends are really people who like to like make sure that the kids have everything ready for them. You get what I mean? They won't just, my mom will just sit down and let me go to the north. So, and I just returned from the US for like, I was there for like three months. So, um, I went to uni for grad and then they gave me my follow-up letter and I saw Bruno State mid-degree. And that was when Boko Haram was like, it's still hot though, but like, it was bad. Because mm. that was when the targets were like coppers. I don't know if mm. you remember that yeah. time. Yeah. So for those who don't so know, was... um, Boko Haram is a terrorist group in Nigeria. <laughs> Nigeria. I so... Okay, let me assume that everybody <laughs> knows, but yeah, go. <laughs> so I was, that was um, 2013, 2014. This experience was like November 3rd, 2013. And I remember when I got my call up later, I was just running and the officer in charge, the admin officer was like, I was saying in my language and I'll translate. I was like, Emu Daniel, Ben and Ray, Shiman Berry. What that means is like, oh thou, because that's how madness starts. Because I was confused, for God's sake. You can take me to maybe even Adamawa, do you get what I mean? Or Sokoto or Ikaduna. Why are you taking me to headquarters of Boko Haram now? What do you want me to do? So, and then... And I found out that before I can even get a posting, I have to report to go. income. Yeah. yeah. I have to go. So because Boko Haram was like the den of crime and bombing and terrorism, you can't go there. So 
So there's, mm. when you're posted there, you have to go to another camp. I found out that my camp was Bombay. For some weird reason, my I didn't still it didn't sit right with me, but I wasn't really bothered because Gombe is not I've not really heard much about it. It's one of those states that you don't really hear about Nigeria. So, they you there. <laughs> so I was very reluctant. I was very reluctant to go, to be fair. I didn't want to go. Now, my dad used to be in the army. He's a very, very go, like go first, they've not killed you. <laughs> You're not dead. Just go. Your mates are going. And I remember that I was the youngest in my department, even on my faculty, to be fair, at that time. I was really young, like 19, there about. Well, like, was that like when you finished? When I finished. When I finished. University. University. So I was really young. In my, oh, wow. I was 19. the youngest. Yeah, I was, I, I, I think 19. Yeah. Was risky, though. <laughs> so, and it was a federal union or that. So, um, what's it called? Men, m- most people were like, they were, Using me as a benchmark, that ah, tell her that they posted to Bonu is even going. Why won't you go? She mm-hmm. came with me. Some people were like, okay, I'll go to Bauchi, I'll go to I'm like, forget it though. My dad is arrogant. Even if I'm 10, I'll go. And then I had to go back to Lagos from Ilori. And I cried. Mm-hmm. And then it's time to go for my trip. Mm-hmm. I didn't see it was so bad because we have a very short time, like one week after you get your call up later to go. Yeah. I didn't even realize there's an airport in Kumbi. I didn't check. There, my is? Parent, there is. My parents booked um this Abuja mass transit. But for a safe for it, for, for it to be safer for me, they made me break my journey and not go straight to Kumbi. So I'll stop in Abuja, then from Abuja I'll go to Kumbi. But would mm, you believe okay. that I intentionally, intentionally I missed my boss that day? So they are booked in online. <laughs> and then I woke up, I delayed. I'm like, I'm not bloody going to this place. I don't care whatever happens. And then my dad is like, get up, you are going to go. My mom was just crying. I could sit in her face. You know, this movie is like, oh my dad, don't leave me. I know she, I think she before to my dad that day, like, this girl is your child. She's going to the north, for God's sake. Mm-hmm. And then I I, I remember going to Yaba and I saw the boss going to Gombe. Like, you know, when you see your boss leaving, I was so happy. Yeah, like, that's my boss. Like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but it was, was my dad that went with me to the garage. So I knew I was in for shit. <laughs> and then he was going all around the place. Put her on another Abuja, this thing. Put her in another Abuja vehicle. Any Abuja vehicle mm. going to Abuja, put her in it. Put her. Remember that, okay. They put me in the bus in a Siena in Abuja. When I got to Abuja, I was at my aunt. I had to take my aunt. Hmm. My auntie saw me and she called my parents. She said, Your daughter is smelling like fear. <laughs> you know when they say someone is smelling she like is... fear? Mm. Yeah. That was, that word, that's that what she said. She said, mm. Your daughter is smelling like fear. Because I was already preparing. I wore, I brought out the dress I was going to wear the next day, all this Islamic Ankara. Then I mm. tied my scarf. The only thing I didn't take off my hand was this redeem band we always wear. And for some weird reason, I've always had faith in that thing. <laughs> I've just, because maybe it's because we, we always go to camp and I've always had testimonies. I've always had faith in, I don't know, everybody yeah. has what they have faith in believing, but that was, that always yeah. worked for me. So I've schooled in a predominantly Muslim school, University of Illinois. So I know mm. a lot of the lingo. I have a lot of Islamic friends. I know quite a number of things with Quran. My bunk mates were all Muslims. And I remember they all gave me Muslim name. Mm. So when I told my auntie, I just thought that I don't worry, everything will get better. But she could tell. So she called my mom the next morning and said, 
do you want this girl to go? You can always work it. It's Nigeria, we'll work it. Mm. But that was like, let her go. Let her go and report. We have this, this, this. Do you know that was the first Question, time Question, before you continue, why do you think your dad was so hell-bent on you? That's what I was about to say. That this that was the first time in my life that actually, that I had to ask my mom that, that am I my child? Child. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was like, it was so... But the thing about my dad is, I went to a military school. I have a military background. Like, my little brother doesn't have this experience. But I'm not going to lie. I think it has helped me a lot. My dad, he made us understand. Made us understand. There's nothing in life. Face it. My dad doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't feel anything. I have, I fear a lot though. I worry a lot. But that push, I'm glad I had that experience to be fair. And an, an atypical African or Nigerian parent might say, no, my child is going there. Doesn't mean my dad loves me less, to be fair, because apparently in the back end, my dad was working. I didn't know. He was calling people. It was like I was treated like a an egg in camp. I didn't do stuffs because someone that knows my dad right. actually, someone that knows my dad came in to come and spoke to me. My own um transfer, I entered the office, sat down, crossed my leg, filled where I wanted, mm-hmm. and they moved me there straight. Mm-hmm. But he needed me to go. And he for some weird reason, he kept assuring me nothing will happen to me. And I held on to that. But it was the trip and the three weeks stay that was the problem. Mm. So when we left Abuja, when we got to the garage, we saw a couple of coppers that were also going to Gombe. And then we were contemplating on the bus. My uncle put me inside the car. And then I met my friend of blessed memory. She's dead now. And two other people who joined. And then we got into the car. Luckily for them, they're from Illinois as well. So we're like, okay, let's go. Muslim guys and all that. And then we passed Abuja, entered Nasarawa. It was still cold and all that. Well, then we got to Joss, Toby. Mm-hmm. I swear, that was when I knew Nigeria is, is different. What we think Nigeria is, mm-hmm. is not. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, when you are used to living in, well, we live in a bubble. Because yeah, Lagos. Because it's so funny. When I got to Joss, I didn't know where I was again. It's like I was seeing, and I thought I was bad. Please, whoever, people that are from this place, when they listen to me, please don't feel bad. But it's my own experience. And then when I got to Bauchi, all I could see in my head was like pictures of ruins, you know, biblical picture of ruins. Like when I got to Bauchi, it was bad because there there was so much like buildings that were burnt halfway. And then we got to the place and then the driver is like, oh, we can't pass here. We have to turn because they just finished bombing that place. We have to. I was like, is it that it's now a norm? Mm-hmm. So when we passed Bauchi, it was not like a long road. There was nothing empty because it's not a busy um, mm. road. So people don't pass there. And then the driver stopped. Question before you continue. So this road you're talking about, is it like a like a long tarred road or like a sandy? Yeah, it's an express long tarred road. Okay. The highway. But it's weird because highways are busy. But right. it wasn't busy. And then the driver stopped. And we're like, that was where the fear picked him. Why are you stopping? And then the guy brought out a knife. What's the problem? It was like, so when people travel around this road, when you don't see cars coming from the other part of the road, uh, other side, we have to stop. It means there's danger. Something is happening in front. Hmm. Do you get what I mean? So yeah. if you're not seeing vehicles coming, coming from the other side, 
there's a problem happening in front. So we have to wait till we see the next vehicle. Now, when the next vehicle is coming, they will see that the other person at the other side of the road has stopped. So that one will now stop and explain that, don't worry, the road is clear. Or we just finished battling with some people in front. Don't so go. let's turn back. Yeah. And at this point, how long had it been since you left Abuja? It could be about three hours, two, three hours. Three hours. Oh. There about. Do you get my mind? Maybe three hours. I can't really recall, but I passed Bauchi. I remember I passed Bauchi. Hmm. And then, um, so by the time we were going, when Isha wanted to get, we now said we we're hungry, we wanted to stop and get fruits. He now asked us, Are you Christians? And I said, Yes. And he was like, Let's go in. I said, why? He said, you don't stop and buy food anywhere again. Nigeria is hot at the moment. So mm-hmm. then we now engage the driver and I said he used to be in Bono State, but he has moved his family out to Abuja. That he only travels here during the day and he has a night. And that mm-hmm. night is for himself alone. So if anything happens to us, we're on our own. Mm-hmm. And then when we got to Gombe, <laughs> that was where I now cried. Because when I go to the garage, the first thing I first heard, when you're in Islamic chants everywhere, there was this sort of, it's not a bad thing, because I went to an Islamic school. I used to go to the mosque sometimes to print stuff. But it didn't feel inclusive. Do you get what I mean? It felt really like, and then the way they were looking at us, especially the ladies that wore trousers, me, because mm. I already knew what I was going into. I wore a very long skirt with, like I looked like an alaja, wore my mm. stuff. It's only that reading band that would tell me off. And then by the time we got to camp, so normally the way I know NYC camp, the soldiers don't go armed. They are lovely mm. soldiers. Do you get what I mean? The security, they are like, but the soldiers that used to be in the camp in the north at that time, I don't know of now, were war soldiers. Mm. Why are they war soldiers? They have to prepare you for any, they, are, they have to be prepared for anything. Now, when you're there as well, they will tell you that, please do not leave camp. Not because we don't want you to go, but we don't want anything to happen to you. So when I got to camp, I met a lot of federal investors. They were not really private uni kids there. And um, a lot of students that were quite exposed from the North. So I tried to make friends with the Northern one. Do you get what I mean? Mm. I just get that's a <laughs> That's a smart tactic, given all the movies I've seen about... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I was so I was so close to one very very sweet northern uncle like that, and the uncle was like, "My sister, don't worry, I have juju. If anything happens now, I'll just stamp my feet, just hold my hand." I remember that conversation; it was so funny. He actually just hold his hand because once he stamp his feet, he will just God. move. And I'm like, so, question. So was there was there a general ambience of fear amongst oh, yeah. in the camp, or, or or what was it like? There was fear because the second day. I remember, I don't know how true this story is, but I think it was true because the, so they told us that there was a, someone had dropped the head of a boy in front of camp as a note. Sure. So the thing got to everybody because people were seeing it in front of the gate, but I didn't go. So I can't really confirm how true it is at that point yeah. in time. But the one I'm very certain of was the police station not far from camp got bombed. Mm. now bombed yes like they bombed they bo- as in they bombed it it was 
it was last year. I don't know why they bombed it. And that was why my parents now go worried. Like, the police station that's supposed to be taking care of these people, they are bombing it. <laughs> What's that the problem? So in camp, I now found out that some of my friends came um, via um, air. They didn't yeah. come right. um, with the road and all that. So I now asked them, that, oh, there's an airport in Gumbi. I just called my friend and my mother that since you brought me here, the least you can do for me is please help me and buy plane ticket. Let me go back. Is it? Mm. <laughs> I don't want to go on the road and all that. So I went with this thing. Now, was your stuff working properly? Sorry, your uh, your what do you call it? Phone. phone yeah, it was. Stuff. It was to be fair, it was good. The network was fine, and they were very helpful people in camp. Like people that will come and tell you, "Don't be scared." All those women that sell things, they tell you, "Don't be scared." They were very helpful, and geez, the soldiers were lovely. Like they were preparing us for, they didn't want us to have this kind of, they didn't want to incite fear. And also, to be fair, I had a good time. I, I enjoyed myself in camp. That's that's very interesting. Because... I enjoyed myself in camp because the soldiers were nice to a fault. Like they used to play with us, they used to laugh with us. But there was one day they called us out in my, out of emergency. I ran to three and they told us to just hold our files. I think inter-intelligent stuff was like they are coming to attack us or something, but it didn't happen. I don't know how true that was again. But they were so nice. Like if you are sick or anything, rather than force you, they'll just tell you to go leave the because they know it's, it's bad enough already mm, mm, in that mm. place. To be fair, I give it to the people in Gombe camp. Psychologically, they are sensitive. Physically, they are helpful. They don't come banging in your room. Get, 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 get. They don't do that. They are nice. They want to listen to you. Then um, when we were leaving, that's how nice these people are. When we were leaving, they called all of us and told us that please. They brought all, all the um, transport buses came into camp to load. They didn't let people go to the garage. So they advised coppers, please load from here. If you are going, if your bus is not from here, if your bus is not, maybe they are going to Kogi State and your bus is not here, I'm pretty sure there'll be a bus going to Quara. Just get out of this place first, first and then to from a there, safe, yeah. yeah, to a safe city and then move. Don't go into town to load. Don't give people information to know that you're a copper. They, right. Because they had already they they adverted the bosses in the garage. They were procedures. Mm. I that's why I actually give it to them. So if anything happens, they can trace. You get what, yeah. what must have happened because they had walked to the garage. So they advised everybody: do not go. And now, if you know you are flying, drop your name. Da da da. You're going through this way, and you are going with this group of people. They are going in this taxi. Mm. Don't just disappear. And that was it. So I went with my friends that were flying. We we're about ten or eleven of us. And then when we got to town, the taxi driver, they told us that there's no, we can't fly this today. We have to fly tomorrow. Ah. Mm-hmm. Wait, so, sorry. so you guys left the camp to town to get a bus? To go to, go to the airport. To airport. Yeah, but we couldn't fly that day. So they said we have to fly the next day. Right, so our okay. flight has to be the okay. next day. I can't remember. It. I just remember it was the next day. So... There was somebody amongst us that said she knows a redeem or a Kenalan pa- a Minas pastor in Kumpe. Well, that we know. Okay. That pastor, wherever he or she is. Hope he's still alive. Amen. Mm. He actually accommodated about 10 of us in his house that day and gave mm. us food and everything. They put us in their house quietly and we didn't move around to get just to sense that there's their purpose there. The next day, immediately we loaded, thanked them. And we went to the airport in the morning. We're supposed to fly around 10 or 11. These people delayed our flights because of the same bomb threat. I don't even know what it is. Till midnight. 
Mm-hmm. So we left midnight. That was it. We left around 11 or so. 11.30 there about. So when I you say you know, left, we left sorry, Gombe. you left, left, you left the man's, the, no. to the people that house. Left you. the airport around 11.30 p.m. Yeah, 11.30 p.m. Right, okay. So basically, I think for me, the most, the scariest part of everything was knowing that a number of my friends that were very sad, ah, well, it's very sad because you know, a number of my friends that were in camp, they make it because they went on public transport. No, I won't say they are my friends, but you know, you've known people in, in the parade ground, I know. And then some people that went on public transport that got attacked and then they got killed. Now, there was a particular story again. You know this thing about these coppers that come to come and convince you that Jesus has said you have to stay in this place. I don't know if you people ever witnessed it. These fellowship people that come and convince you that the Holy Spirit has directed you. Guy, they are so good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. To the point I started telling my mother that I think I'm meant to be in Gombe for a reason. Mama, are you mad? (laughs) I said, Mom, the the, the Spirit, they are so good. Honestly, I don't know what it is. They they convinced people. In Bono State, you can't make calls then. You can't do anything. The only thing you can do is Skype. Nothing was working in Bono State then. No phone, nothing. Go into your own office there now. Mm. And some of them went to Bono State. You need to go and get killed. Because they got... What did they go for? They went to... So some some, work, of, some of them... So when you... So you will choose if your you private, want to go to... Your PPA. Yeah, yeah. You, so your PPA, you will choose that. So if they posted you to Bono State... Oh, to, like, to like actually go and serve the NYC. Yeah, you can one choose. One-year civil service there. Yeah. So you can choose. Some of them chose it. Not also because they got convinced that they should go Jesus or anything, but some people just felt, oh, I think they will pay me 50,000. Some very funny story like that. They'll pay me more, more. Like, and they went. Guy, even the governor's office is not safe. They were like, they give us different kind of story that some of us will live in the governor's house, in the bad boys for that. Some of us will live. They were just giving funny stories that oh, we should go to bonus state. We should come. They were even like, see us now. We came for bonus state. Uh, we're not dead. Da, da, da. I mean, I'm not going. I don't want to go for this kind of thing. Yeah, and then I think the most um the sad part, like I said, was hearing when I was, and I got back to Lauren settled and all that. Hearing that oh, this person passed away in bonus day, they got bombed. Like so, the thing is, I don't know them personally. You get what I mean? But, but you met them. all. I met them, and then there was one particular story that now shook me personally. I don't know if other couples heard about it, but I heard about it much later during my NYC. So there was this group of people that left late in the evening. So they and they had warned us. Honestly, I really wish that I could have reached out. They to left them. the camp. They left the camp late in the evening. Not really late in the evening. They left Gombe late in the evening. They left the camp at a normal time right. and went to town. And they said, "Oh, they will take the bus." Da 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 da. And then, so when they took the bus, somewhere around Bauchi, one of the bushes in Bauchi, like Iway in Bauchi, through the and all that, but it was really late in the night. They got stopped. And we don't know if it's Boko Haram or just normal Amrobas. And they asked questions. They asked where they came from. It's so funny because they told them to chant, like, say some stuff, Islamic, Iran, stop, stop, stop. I don't know how true it is. And then, but... One of the girls that experienced it is no longer in Nigeria. She's gone. So um, after this happened, they told um, the ones that 
that couldn't, I don't know, maybe they couldn't chant it. Mm. They put them to one side and the ones that could say, they put them in another side. But it's so funny because even the ones that could say it, they, they still got killed. I don't know why. <laughs> so even if you are a Muslim, for some reason, they still killed you. So when they noticed that they had started shooting people, like on the head and cutting people and all that, they started running. Some of them started running. So this girl says she ran. Crazy story. She ran so bad that I don't know. She now saw one other man inside, maybe a farmer or something in the bush, and then now helped her and brought her to town. I don't know, even told her to cover her mouth because she said the guy she ran with got killed. Wow. I think he got hit by a bullet or something like that. But she didn't see him again. Maybe she doesn't know, but she knows she didn't see him again. And then she ran. That was the story that got to us, and that one person survived. Da da da. But through the help of a farmer, all the way. So apparently, she ran and said she found herself in a neighboring village, not far from Joss, because Ajela. Joss. Like, I don't know. So the thing is, <laughs> you know, when you are running out of here, you are just running. Yeah. She so she was coming. So I think they were not far from Joss anymore. To be fair. Mm. Because I think after Bauchi's just, I can't really yeah, remember. Yeah, so it's Gombe, Bauchi. So from just, northeast region is Gombe, Bauchi. Bauchi, just then Nasarawa. Nasarawa, yeah. So she ran. She said I, that was, she ran to the point that she found this herself. Because the farmer brought her from her. She said she cannot even remember anything that happened. Because they were all laughing in the bus a few seconds too. And the way they all came out, came down. Then the farmer even covered her mouth. Because apparently they even know that farmer has helped you can put the farmer in trouble or something, something like that. she was and she was also scared because this is a farmer from the north she also could still be in danger mm. luckily for her the farmer took her into a hut inside the farm inside the bush and then that was it well after it affected her ahead child it affected her psychologically da, 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 because this is a friend of a friend of a friend and this is somebody that I also saw physically. Like, you know how camp is like, you don't greet them, you don't know everybody's name. Yeah, but you see them and then, yeah. You see them, you know them. And then when she was, they were describing the person that she ran with, they were like this, like five and six all train camp. And then knowing that, ah, down is gone. Then the one I personally experienced with my friend is the one that went to bonus states. I know Mm. him. This is not fairy tale or anything. He died. Mm. And it's so painful because we all try to convince him not we got into one of the other and it was, it was one of the villages to be fair we died and mm. um it's so sad because uh at that point in time i, I first of all, i'm grateful to god that is my friends could even afford getting me a flight ticket all right because, yeah. you know at that time some of my problems were already eliminated not having to mm. travel back but just thinking about the fact that I went to the north, I saw what the experience I saw. It makes me understand that Nigeria is a is a I don't know maybe I don't know whether I should say fiction. I don't know. Nigeria is not a real place because mm-hmm. we we party in Lagos, we live life, we enjoy life. And and that this is because Nigeria is divided. Like mm-hmm. because what is happening in Bono is not Lagos State business. If there was unity, honestly, we wouldn't close our eyes to what mm. is happening there. Do you get what I mean? Because people that have families in the north, 
they would not be happy with what is going on. I can't mm. imagine this kind of thing happening from my state where I come from, this state. It is going to be so, it's, it's disturbing. Honestly, it's very disturbing. That's why I say Nigeria is, <laughs> I don't know. It's like everybody's just on their own. Oh, it did mm. not touch me. It didn't come near me. So it's not my business. Yeah. I know there's nothing we can do. It's, it's, it's funny you said that because I think, Toby, sorry, you can go after me, but it's funny you said that because I think Toby and I spoke about something similar during the, um, the moral masturbation episode that we spoke about um, morality being everybody's, uh, you know, yeah. That, yeah, that and watchword nowadays. And then we spoke about how we react to certain news we hear, but, but we often dismiss it because in the end it doesn't affect uh-huh. us. And I, give the, and I give the example of seeing Boko Haram news in Punch on the Punch newspaper every Sunday way back in Nigeria, like 2015. And then when you're really uh, angry for like, for like 20 minutes and then you can watch Chelsea at 3 p.m. and you've forgotten about exactly. it because it's just not your life, is it? I had PTSD yeah. for me for a long time. Mm. I don't like to see Boko Haram. You know that our mental health is, is not something we, before in Nigeria, it's not something people really... I didn't even know there was something called PTSD to prepare. But I just noticed that when I see Bukwa, like, I used to be so scared. Mm, like, mm. northern, in the northern community and everything. And mm. because I went to an Islamic school, I have a very different view about the Muslims. I feel like they are the nicest people. So I, under, I, I honestly could not understand what was going on in the mm. north. And that's mm. what Wale said about um, gone, his own experience. My experience is, one, my best friend is um, a Muslim, Fatima. She goes all out for me. My bunkmates all through uni were Muslims. Mm. Mm. I also wore hijab when I needed to go to the mosque. But I didn't have any fear to wear it. I wore it out of respect for the court religion. And that's because I respect my friends and all that. So my point mm. is, they were really nice to me, Toby. Do you get what I mean? And yeah, I they showed yeah. me a different side of what people think. Oh, this is what Islam is. Mm. I do not. Mm. I, I love, I respect the religion. I love them. When I went there, I was like, what are these people doing? Like, what, mm. are they practicing what I know? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's quite interesting because, you know, I've just been listening. Obviously, I've been quiet through most of this episode. But this last point you made about your experience with, I guess, Muslims that are close to you, is, you know, it's very different from what's happening. And I think for me, it was never, I never sort of like paired them up as the same thing, right? Because you know, growing up in Ibadan as well, I don't know if it's the same with Lagos, but you know, Wale in Ibadan, there's, there almost feels like it's, a very strong, you know, Muslim community in Ibadan where there's just yeah. a lot of intertwining going on. And, you know, some of my closest family friends were Muslim and I lived in their house for like two years, right? And, you know, when they're doing their Ramadan fast and everything, that's when the best food is served in the house. So, you know, not fasting with them, but wake up at 4 a.m. to eat the sari with them as well. So, um, Mike's obviously, and then, you know, right around when the whole Bukharam th- thing was starting, I don't think we're, mm-hmm. I don't think we were part of the camp or, again, I don't know anybody personally per se that had the view of, oh, it's all Muslims that share the same view. Like, you know, for us, I guess for most people, from my understanding, it was like, you know, this extreme version of it, right? Just like you see, you know, Al-Qaeda and all of these things happening, you know, you know, it's a form of, of this that's been taken to the extreme in that kind of way. Mm. Um, but yeah, but but back to the point about, you know, violence close to you and how it feels and how you interpret it. Because, you know, yes, it's happening in Nigeria, but, you know, we could also say the same thing as, you know, other countries like Mali, just Mali, um, right close to us, are also going through like an intense sort of like yeah. insurgency 
thing. But funny enough, we never even hear that. I only heard about it when I got to Ghana as much, right? It's never really that's your everyday lived oh, really? experiences. Yeah. Um, and then obviously what the stuff that happens in Kenya, um, the the shooting that happened, it's quite funny because I, I wasn't there physically, but it was a building that I would go to often you know um oh. a, a, a riverside in nairobi right and a, there was a tech company in it that lost a lot of people and my co-founder one of his closest friends you know lost his life in that attack right and so i think oh, the wow. next time the next time i was in kenya right you know i had a meeting in that building like i wasn't there but honestly it felt weird like you know i almost tried to move the meeting because you know you just yeah, but when I went and everything felt like there was a bit of more security and everything, um, but everything just felt a bit normal. And I'm like, yeah, I guess the ability of human beings to, in some kind of ways, you know, continue life, even if you're still dealing with some kind of stress, but we just seem to always have to continue. And, you know, some yeah. of us continue normally, some of us don't. Uh, but yeah, I just wanted to share those, those thoughts, basically. Yeah. You know, when you said you were in that... Um you went, you slept in some winner's pastor's um, mm-hmm. house. Mm-hmm. That, what was going through your mind when you slept in? Like, how did you sleep that night? How was that like? Oh my gosh. I know the, I know the major thing I was, I remember, like, what if somebody snitches on us like taxi driver? Hmm. <laughs> because, so the way the thing happens is they're not come, going to come and kill you like, oh, there's a Christian in this house. No, you just get an attack. And we are in a country where there's no accountability. Mm. Kill us and everybody move on. Put it on Twitter. A bunch of people. Do you get what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I was, I couldn't really sleep. I remember having serious eye bags that I got to Abuja because I flew back to Abuja that night. And I just wanted, and honestly, I was also feeling very sorry for the pastors because <sighs> why are you in that place for first of all? Why are you in this kind of community? How are you seen? How are you okay? What are you looking for? Yeah, I know we're trying to spread the gospel, but please, can you leave? But I guess I'm not, it's their reality. I'm not going to dismiss it. I just needed to get myself out of this because anybody can snitch on us. Come and kill us. Oh, God's sake. I was only coping for NYC service. I was just bloody nice. And, and, for, and for those who don't know, NYC is a National Youth Service Corp and it's a national program yeah. run by Nigerian government that requires every graduate to participate in as a form of civil service, either in education or the civil sector or private sector. And you have to do that after you graduate if you want to work in Nigeria. So you have a three-week orientation camp before you start your actual service, and your camp could be any, in any state that is typically not the state you were raised or are from. So that's how it's structured, for those who just don't know. Um, but... I've been thinking a lot about this, to be fair, and I've just been wondering, you know, what lessons that, you know, that we can learn from this native I learned a lot from that, to be fair. Example. Um, first of all, like, um, I appreciate my dad for letting me go. Some people, they might be like, oh, your dad is wicked. Yeah, but aren't you saying that no. because everything worked out okay? Yes. Everything did go okay. And that's why I'm saying that So. If worst case scenario had happened, I won't be here giving you this True. podcast. But I'm gone and I'm back. True. I appreciate my dad because he made me see if I didn't go, I wouldn't see that side of life. True, which you is very I mean? important. That is like, true. Like, I saw that side of life. My dad goes to the north a lot, but he stopped for some time now. I've seen that side of life and I've come to realize that they didn't choose it. 
because mm. it's almost like oh why can't they leave some of them are there because they don't have where to go mm, mm. so that is true you... so it's so so stop that is true because people often say that is a very 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 good point because people often say oh why don't you just leave you know, why don't you just go somewhere else? Why, <laughs> why, why is anybody there? But I think yeah. it's so easy to underestimate the idea of a home. Whether your home is exactly. terrible or not, it is a home. And you, you can never know what the, the unknown feels like. Nobody likes the unknown. Exactly. So you're going to say, well, where, why don't you just leave? Well, to where? And where do you I go? go? And how are you sure that when you even leave, I mean, I'm, I can guess maybe if you're in that kind of area, Northeast, your basics are just to eat food every day and keep going with life. But when you then come to other areas of Niger, much more areas that are much more structured, you, you, have, to you have to work. And are you going to you grant to. it work? And are you probably going to... And are they even going to be accepted exactly. into the community? So honestly, I saw a different side of life and it kind of made me... Because think about it, I just come back from America. I'm not used to weeks in Nigeria. It was like wow. a shift. From, I was in, from, from I was America, America to, like, to Gombe. I was in America from July to early, late September. <laughs> I was chilling. Absolutely. Having different states. So it was a shift. And then boom, I spent like three, four days in Lagos, went to Lauren for grad, and then went to Gombe. So it was a shift. Like I learned a lot from people in the north that despite even in the midst of adversity some people have hope like mm. people that come to give mm. us ah, children don't cry oh see i'm here with my children those mothers always say i remember one time my money finished and i went to one of the women in the restaurant and she said you know what give your mommy my account number she said no Tana. give your mommy my account number i'll be giving you um, i also find that very interesting she, that people there were nicer than than you were you they expect were too nice. you have any theories why that's the case you, because yeah, you, like you, you, I'm you, not. You, I'm actually not surprised. I, no, no. Yeah, go on. No, to be fair, to be fair, like I think the thing, the thing about it is that when, when you've seen how fickle life can be, um, truly, truly fickle life can be, and when you've seen how bad things can get, I think you just realize that some things are not as deep as it's the self-centeredness that happens when you know you're chasing money, because a lot of what causes <laughs> greed, a lot of what causes the hate around around us in this part is greed. It's the chase chasing money, money and trying to one up someone. But if the only thing you're trying to do is survive, bro, like grief, as long as it's, it's, as long it's as greed the, and, it's greed and comfort in a way. In in a way, yes, because you have you, you have the ability to think about yeah. like trying Other to one things. up yeah, someone yeah, else. Yeah. You understand? Like here, what what can happen is either yeah. like you understand that the person that is right next to you is probably not the person that is going to kill you. This person is not the one carrying the gun. So at the end of the day, this is someone that can be useful in protecting your life, right? Because the person is an, is also alive as well. The person, if the person is, is you know hears something and is running, you see the person running, you know to run. But if you're now like you know if. <laughs> You know, if you're, you're, you're keeping malice to someone like that and the person knows information that could be useful to you, but you're keeping malice yeah. because what happens? You understand? They so I think... They are trying to survive. Exactly. They so every... Exactly. So every single person, I, I feel like every single person that then isn't against you is automatically for you, right? Whereas yeah. in this side of town, you are still like being mm. picky. But and I'm speaking to myself as well. I'm not trying to point arrows at someone that is not, that is not yeah. me, right? You know, it's you, just come Mm-hmm, it is like because so I, because just for cont yeah go on no, go on Talani no 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 <laughs> <laughs> no I was gonna no, say way, that the way, the way I saw people in um, what was it called is different from the way I see people now basically yeah, yeah. that's it yeah mm. yeah yeah uh, 
I was going to say that I, I also, like, I spent three weeks in the North, but um, for camp, for NYC camp as well, but it was Cardinal, so it wasn't, like, it wasn't, it um, wasn't, like, really, really nasty. She's like, I know Banjo, she's Banjo like, she's like, uh, really. like, that's yeah. not really North. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but in, in the context of, like, Abuja, yeah, Bono, yeah, Sokoto, yeah. all of these places, Cardinal was still, although, like, where, where they ended up posting me, like, for my PPA was, like, Honestly, it was closer to Kano than it was than it was to Kaduna, which was starting to get a bit like unnervy, to be honest. But I only spent three months there. Um, like I did three weeks in camp. I was supposed to be redeplo- redeployed. It did not work out, so I had to stay mm-hmm. there like an extra month and everything. And we're in this place where, to be fair, like you're going like like you know like like you said, Tola, you're going in and your heart is in your mouth. You're worried about what could happen, but you're seeing people yeah. just living their lives like a four-year-old organizer doing his own thing like the, the the house we stayed in um the guy was was a pastor as well but he also had a private school and then his son had a motorcycle like this guy was like seven or eight just riding motorcycles around teaching me as well so everybody was just like living life and yeah just wondering like i need to get the hell out of here like this does yeah. not like this is not me like <laughs> And 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 the funny thing is, even my own experience of robbery, as young as I was, is people's everyday shit. Not, mm. you know, mm. it's 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 that's that's like as bad as as you can get. That I've seen. I mean, I've seen other other robberies on the road. I've I've mm. had brake brake failure as well on the, when yeah. going driving. But mm-hmm. that 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 was the most terrifying experience. But this is probably <laughs> somebody else's day to day. Yeah. Well, I'm not joking. You see, I learned the map of Nigeria in NYC camp because <laughs> I kept thinking of Alpha Gumbis. You know, it is like Abuja, just um, no, just Nasaraba, Chigumbi. The after Gumbi now have um, Bonu and, Yobe. and then mm. you have Yobe. Mm. And those were the two places that was hot. hot so I was yeah. like, okay, so if it's not coming from Bonu, it's definitely coming from Yobe. It always, <laughs> when they are coming, they are still going to land in this bloody city. <laughs> Oh my days! Nah, nah, it's it's crazy. It's crazy. But it was so funny because the thing is, I think by the third for day, I was just very settled. Like, yeah, I felt like maybe I was seven in Osho because the women That's... were just unnecessarily nice. Yeah. <laughs> so Which just shows the the human that, that, yeah, spirit the, to adapt. Yeah. But Which but also the power of but also the power of microcosms, right? The thing about it is that you know, when you see something in the news, even if you know you hear a bomb blast that happened today, mm-hmm. tomorrow, and things like that, at the end of the day, what happens is like one hour in a day, two hours in a day, and honestly, people will just go on. You'll be hungry. You need to eat. Like so, I think. <laughs> 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 Honestly, it's bringing funny memories because I can't yeah. believe that we still have time to act drama. You understand? So, you know the I took so much pictures. Things. Like I have an album from camp, like taking pictures. Yeah. I completely forgot that yeah, I need danger. Danger. Like exactly. Like my experience was definitely not up to yours, but <laughs> even in Cardinal as well. Like I, nobody wanted to go to the north. Basically, let's just. This was 2016. Nobody wanted to go to the north, right? And in Cardinal. You know, I know getting there, we had to fly, but then the flights were they cancelled flights, so we dropped in Abuja, then had to enter a cab. But obviously, we didn't have, we didn't have all these things of you know, be careful what you enter. Like it was just a stressful experience. And then we got to to camp by day three. 
as much as I didn't want to be there, obviously you you settle in in a way. You mm. know, there were yeah. groups groups of friends that always be working together. You know, and life just becomes very different. Like you have you're regimented, you're living in a regimented life, and that becomes your reality until you have to leave. And even after you leave, by the time I got to my PPA as well. First night was crazy. Like, we're, we're basically in an uncompleted building, but they, there were mattresses in there and there were, you know, it was just weird. There were no real toilets. It was a pit latrine. Like, even camp was much better than there. Like, it was just very wild. Like, there were, there were poles for Nepal wire, but there were no wires. Yeah. Right. So it's like, this, this was not, this was not power is coming at some point. Like there was no power. So you have to pay 20 bucks to someone to charge your phone and figure you, you drop, you drop a phone there in the morning, come back at night. Like it was a very, it was a very different thing. But before we talk about make this like an NYC podcast, I wanted to just share like another, like when you were sharing the Robley story, Wally, I remembered like two that happened. One where it was next door. There was a lot of shooting and what eventually happened and what saved the day, quote unquote, was one of the boys from the previous compound jumped into ours and then told us to call the police and the police, they, they luckily came and there was a shootout, uh, but someone had already gotten shot, but um, he didn't die, just had to like have, um, he, he didn't die, like they had to take the bullet out of his leg and he couldn't walk for a while, uh, but it was a serious shootout because the, the, uh, the house they, they robbed was the house of a major general, former major general. So there were a lot of guns oh, wow. in the house as well. So what eventually <laughs> happened, <laughs> so, so, so the guy went into the ceiling because he had a safe place in his ceiling, but they took some of his guns after they took all the money. And so that was, it was his guns they were using against the police, which made it a longer fight than it would have to be. Yeah. Um, but the one that personally happened to me, which honestly didn't have the same effect in the sense that they actually got into the house. Um, I was playing my game and next thing my door flung open and there were two guys standing in there. I didn't even see that they were holding guns, but they were just asking me, where's your mom? Where's your mom? Where's your mom? I'm like, I've been inside here. It was very weird because I, I was literally talking. I was like, I've been in oh, here. I, like, I remember the story, actually. I think yeah, it's before. Yeah, I, yeah. Why are you asking for your mom, though? I, I'll explain after. I'll get to that point. But they were asking, where's your mom? I was like, I don't know. I was, I, so they were like, where's your laptop? I was like, I don't have a laptop. So I pointed to a desktop on the, on the table. I'm like, that's what's here. You understand? And then I was just, I was just there. I, I dropped my pad slowly because I was like, I didn't want them to take the PS2. So I was just like, hope they don't take this thing. And then the guy asked me to lie down on the bed. So I went on the bed and then he saw the phone that was on the bed. I was like, I should give him the phone. And I'll give him the phone. But as I was giving him the phone, I was kind of like looking. I don't know why I was looking at his face. I know it was like, don't look at me. Then use the gun to hit my face. And then I'll oh, shout. Um, but I kind of like expected it. So I was already moving away. So it wasn't like the full effect, um, uh, uh. thankfully. And then they left. And obviously, like everybody, obviously, like you said, you don't know if they've truly left. But for me, I was just like, <laughs> I, was, I, I don't know. I stood up and I went to my aunt's room and it was my aunt that was there and they're taking her gold and everything. And then my mom like came out of the store. So apparently what happened was that my mom was in the living that. room. What? Yeah, my mom was in the living room watching TV. And then she started to hear a bang on the door. And then she was like, who is this? Because it was late at night. She was like, you know, because we lived in a, it was like a, a, a compound of like 12 other three bedroom bungalows. It was like, you're entering into a small kind of estate sort of. And so she thought it was one of the neighbors and she always gets pissed off when they knock on her door at night. Um, but then she opened the curtain a bit and just saw men. And so she just closed the curtain. Like she closed the curtain and she just ran. Right. And so they, it wasn't, a, there was no security, it wasn't a security door. So they just like, it was a sliding door, which is stupid. Um, so they just opened it and they fought, tried to follow her. And then she went in and turned left. Now, 
The first left leads you to the kitchen area and then to the store. The second left is what leads to my room, right? And so they saw her go straight and turn left. So that's why they came into my room and asked for my mom because they thought that's where she entered. Now, imagine they didn't see my aunts because when they finally went to my aunt's room, they thought that was my mom. So they thought those were the only two people in the house, right? That was the person they saw initially. So I imagine if my auntie wasn't there and, you know, they open my door, say, where's my mom? I'm like, I don't know. And they go yeah. to the next room and they don't see my mom. That's like, you get, it's like you're somebody's lying. in this house. Yeah, I'm lying. You understand? But they and saw my auntie. Hit liars, even they, they're robbers. I, if they're yeah. robbers, right? Um, and so then my mom finally came out and then we all came out. So apparently they had robbed like three or four houses. Ours was the last in the compound. So they had started from the first place. They had, they've been, they had been in the compound for like an hour. And they finally got to our house and, and all of those things. And I know, like, the next night after that, like, I had to go to school the next freaking day. Like, it's just, it's the most... Which, which is what's <laughs> wild. Exactly. Like, the next day. Exactly. But, like, but to go- be honest, <laughs> I, it is mad that we go to school the next day. We go on... We go on, we go on like, like, just move on quick. We you move on quick. Like. My life. We move on too quick. I went to school the next day. Bro, it's I went crazy. to school the next day. And I guess what? To- like, what? Even I went to school, I think yeah. it was, I think it was, I think it was Sean Campbell and, Alan. Was, no, 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 Alan was okay. not in my estate. Sean Campbell time. lived in my estate, yeah. And, yeah. and, no, not Angela. This is other Somebody family. Somebody, yeah. So, yeah. They were the ones who were telling people that, ah, Wally's house Wally's. was robbed last night. <laughs> me, me, I was still deep in what happened to me the night before. <laughs> but, Bro. It's crazy, just, it's crazy, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy, Yeah. I know, like, sleeping at night, like, you know, you now start to think that, okay, we're going to go to bed tonight, but what if? So, yeah, yeah, saying, okay, yeah. if they break in, um, I'll quickly throw my phone here. I'll quickly do something here. Till today, like, it, it happens once in a while, but not as intensely. But there's some nights, I know in the previous apartments, every time I move somewhere first, I'm always thinking about, okay, if... If we get robbed or whatnot, so like, where, what can where's I the put somewhere? Where, where's the escape? Or where can I put stuff? Yeah, yeah. Every time I'm driving in Nige, like it's, I, I'm sure this is, I think it's the same for you guys. But when I was in Nige, my cousin did the same as well. My mom, my mom told me this. Um, I don't know. It happened to me. every time I drive in at night. You know, I drove a lot. I started driving very early, right? Come go go out. Yeah, yeah. When I'm when I'm going home. I have never had too much focus on anything. Like I'm looking at the plate number mm. of the cars behind me repeatedly, mm. making the turns. Are you scared? No, it's it's not fear, but it became so ingrained. Because also, I think one reason why why I also started to drive early, very early was because um I think also when I was like 12 or 13, my mom and I had like a brake failure. That they were mm-hmm. speeding and the brake just failed. And just when we were about to hit the wall, I, I pulled the handbrake. And the car just spun, mm. right? And we mm. didn't hit the wall, thankfully. So mm. I think that was the point where I just realized that, okay, when you're driving, any, 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 anything can happen, mm. right? Particularly mm. Nigerian cars, that anything can happen, right? That's mm. a special country, man. You know, so <laughs> when I'm going home at night, I'm checking my mirrors, like, who's behind me? The, this light I'm seeing, is it, is it square or circle? Because I saw circle lights mm. about three minutes ago. Is it the same one? I might, I might go past mm. my house sometimes. There's many times where I, where I went past my house just yeah. because I just want to be sure that this person is not following me. Yeah. yeah. For no reason. Yeah. It's just funny how these things like stay yeah. with us, right? But I think hearing the story, particularly Tola's story about the North and even everybody's story, like, it's just, just like, you gotta be grateful, man, because 
whatever yeah, you, are, you have to whatever um, you are like there's there's somebody in, so, somebody in a position of like business. I mean even even me, even me that I'm scared when even me even me that I'm not scared even me that I'm conscious about my driving at night at least, at least I'm driving there's a car to drive Mm-hmm. The student have to walk home <laughs> before we go. I don't let me tell you this story before we go. Oh, it's, 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 it's a bit funny because um, because my walk home for walk home story. So I don't know much you know about Lagos, Toby, but yeah. but but, but, but I know this. So so Tola, you know um Ikodu Road, right? <laughs> so she told you, you've told her before. Oh, I say, yeah, so wait, wait, I'm not you sure. Know, I'm you know not sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, ten minutes on this recording. Do it. Do it. Uh, yeah, girl, that bank. God forbid. So, so when I was eighteen, right, I used to work GTB Bank in Lekki. We thought we were made, bro. Like, oh, every, uh, yeah. Uh, and guess what? If you remember when I came back to Ibadan after two months, I, I told you that I quit. You guys were asking me why we quit that job. You were making a lot of money for an intern. Yeah. Can I remember that conversation we had? this is part of it so so i was working in gtb lucky and lived in maryland with my cousins very very um lucky, lucky to have them at, the, at that time and my journey towards towards the island and the mainland is an hour and a half at least to and mm. fro so now i finished my bank work at 9 p.m i'm, I'm mm. 18 year old I, I don't i i, I don't need this kind of anyway <laughs> I, I finish. I finish. I finish my 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 shift at nine p.m. Like every day, at least latest night. Sorry, earliest nine p.m. So sometimes I'm lucky. I'll get somebody to to drop me off on the mainland, right? Mm-hmm. Most time I'll, I'll use the BRT bus from the island back to the mainland. So this day, this person was going to drop me on the mainland. Now, now, where, now where they were going to drop me was on. So you know, if, if you're living Lagos, top mainland bridge, you know, you're straight down to um, straight down to Ibadan, pretty much top mainland bridge. In a way, yeah, yeah, right. Straight yeah. out to Badon, good. So once you leave Top Milan Bridge to the point where you're about to get to those, uh, what do you call it, the Magodo area, and you're about to get to those three, those three statues that room, yeah, 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 yeah. Where you have like Owando on your right, totally. Those, yeah, yeah. So before you get there, you know, you go past a bridge that now goes past um a road, the bridge that yeah. goes yeah. to Korodu. That Good. Yeah. 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 So that bridge, if you want to go back to Ikorodu, you have to go down the bridge and go down the bridge and turn, make it like a U-turn back to the road yeah. into mm. Lagos. So the person will now drop me on that bridge, right? <laughs> on that bridge there. Now, mm-hmm. this, at, at this point, we left work at 9.15. One, mm. one and a half hour in traffic. I, I was there like 10.45. Mm. And then at this point, I had my ID card GTB there. And then I, I think when you have to drop me, so, so, so like I would drop here. And he goes, am I sure? I said, yeah. And he said, ah, are you sure? I said, yes. And he goes, I'm like, I'll be careful. This place that is not, <laughs> is not safe. <laughs> and me, obviously, this, bear in mind, this was, this was week three into Lagos. So I never lived in mm. Lagos before. Only visited. Mm. So my entry into Lagos was also entering into like Lagos life. Mm. Omo, on that bridge where I was, right? So this bridge is like, let's say it's about 300 meters round down, all the way down. Mm. Guy, I ran. <laughs> as, soon, as soon as this guy dropped me, I just started running down the bridge in the yeah, darkness. Holding your bag. Yeah. Holding my bag. I lost yeah. my ID card apparently. And, and, next day, and, and next day at work, my boss was pissed off with me that I lost my ID card. 
come call yeah. me responsible. And that was mm. the that, that was the end I was quitting. But anyway, <laughs> I'm not gonna say too much of a story, but I ran on that bridge. I was scared to, Shitless. to death. Yeah. To death. Yeah. It, was. <laughs> it was so dark and scary. That, yeah. And that's when okay, this bank, I'm done with this because this guy I I, I, I told this guy what happened and he said that I just started I'm this is my ID card. I'm like what? <laughs> is that the point? Is that, is the, that, point? Is that, is that the point? Yeah. You were never happy on this bridge. <laughs> nah, I left, man. I left. Nah, and guess like, what? Yeah. I went from 45k per, no, 50k per month in 2012 to 7.5 my new job. In the bottom of it. Yeah, but... Oh, no, 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 in Lagos still. In Lagos, hospital, okay. Yeah. yeah. But listen, I love my new job at 7.5 because I, I understood what <laughs> work-life balance was and peace of mind. <laughs> peace of mind. <laughs> Yeah, and yeah. Nigeria, Nigeria was not just designed for late people. <laughs> 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 like, even if everybody's missing home, he doesn't want to. Yeah, doesn't um, I'm not bothered about it. Nah, nah, nah. I miss him a lot. I miss him a lot. Mm, I'll, no. I'll be honest. Honestly, when, when we're talking about him before we go, like I just went to Google like Gombe this thing right now. Like mm. just remember Gombe. And if you Google Gombe Blast, it was literally when I was there. Everything mm-hmm. happens. From like October 2014 to like January or February, March, June 2020. Yeah, because that period, every Sunday there was something. Every Sunday. <laughs> he boom, was, yeah. right? Boom. Boom. It was, boom. It was ridiculous. Yeah. I remember. I remember the day they sent, because, you know, obviously it didn't really reach this Ibadolego side, but there was a time they sent letters or they said they sent letters to all the universities, all the federal universities in the area that, that they Boko Haram is coming. Omo, I've never seen school empty that quickly. And some of us were like, ah, should we go home? Should we? Some of our parents are calling us that we should come home. And some of us just stayed because I guess, actually, no, some of us decided to stay. But then the school was like, we don't want to be responsible for anyone. But some people were like, look, we live far away. People lived in Lagos. People live outside of Lagos. People live like in far places. But school was like, mm-hmm. guy, they don't get care. The hell, get get out. get out of our school. Yeah. Toby, if you want to yeah. see how bad there's been a shift in Nigeria, can you remember when there was the bomb blast mm. in Nigeria? Mm. When mm. in 2000 and the first one, I can't remember that yeah, year. The, yeah, can remember Abuja that first bomb blast in camp? I don't know if Wale remembers. Not in Abuja, the one at the cantonment. That's oh yeah, the Ikeja one, the Ikeja one. one, yeah, blast. yeah, 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 yeah. Well, the, can you remember Ikeja bomb blast? The one that yeah. accidentally detonated. That well, yeah, yeah, that accidentally happened in two thousand. That was like the first bomb blast that we ever heard of Nigeria. Mm. I don't know, mm. maybe, maybe that mm. I know of Sha. Mm. Can you remember the Ikeja bomb blast? I think I, so. I think I was in my grandma's no, house then. Yeah, yeah Nigerians were not used to bomb blast that time. Guy, people came and even sang song. Like sang song for people that died. Do you get what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. we're not used to it. There were it was public holiday for almost two, three, almost five years. We're still even doing remembrance, but mm. now it's like mm-hmm. a norm. Mm. <laughs> I don't know if you get what I'm saying. Yeah, there was bomb blast yeah. in the yeah. 2000s, and in Nigeria, it was like, Niger- yeah. Niger- it was a big deal. Like how the- and this was even accidentally. Mm. Um, it accidentally mm. happened. Nobody detonated it. Just as it was a big deal, and a lot of people that were doing remembrance. If you see mm. the, the their memorial ground close to Ikotun, so or should you not far from there, beautiful. Like they, mm. they took care of it because then we had res- we had values, we had respect. Mm. Like, mm. but now we're so used to we say no. Say Honestly, and which and, and which is why I say maybe just round up. I say we should always be careful what we get used to because your mm. body yeah. can get to things very easily. You'll be surprised. You'll be, You'll be surprised. You'll be surprised. Yeah. Be, surprised. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. be careful yeah. what you get used to, man. Be careful yeah. what you get used yeah. to. And yeah. and I guess I just end by saying like I think what I've, what I've learned from everybody is I mean, I'm glad we're all here to tell these stories. Um, 
first of I think all. we should we should all be grateful for the lives that we have, regardless of where we are. People have it worse. People have not made it to tell the stories. You know, some things just let go, and you know, even though we're Nigerians, we like to do hard, hard. And we're soft. You know, and we're soft. Mm. You know, it's just, <laughs> let, let things go, and and just know that some things are not in our control as well, because you know, some things can happen. It's, it's why it's why we call the random terrible luck mm. of life. Also, trust your instincts as well. You know, taller for you, like you just found a way to just jackpot. You trusted that. You trusted that the way you stayed in the night, you would be fine. You know, there were parts where your instinct came into play. You know, mm. but you also took risks as well because if you did not stay yeah. there, you know, <laughs> who knew what would have happened? You know, and I guess mm. also it's not judge people as well because yeah. you, you don't know where anybody's story is, right? Mm. So you don't know where anybody's story is. People have come from different experiences, face a lot of trauma, face a lot of things, and you just judge them. Or even even people that, you know, that you were with in camp, you know, you mm. think, oh, this, this, this person has nothing to offer. Maybe they're the ones who saved your your life, you know. Mm. And and be kind, and be kind. We can learn a lot from those who were kind. You know, people were in such environments that were very harsh and, and, and very, very catastrophic, but yet they could demonstrate the human element of empathy in that kind of dangerous environment and that's amazing and I think that's one thing I've learned from that above above most and, and above everything just slow down because this life is fickle you know so just sometimes just calm down and just keep moving life is fickle man you know but Lynn Stola thank you so much for coming I really appreciate it first of many yeah. I'm sure um, I'm gonna I'm gonna do an intro about you about what you do everything about your life at the beginning of this episode so you're gonna hear that um, in a bit mm. but thank you so much for coming I hope you've had a good time awesome awesome all right so catch you guys hey there everybody thank you for listening to this week's episode of the yellow pale podcast if you liked our show please support us by giving us a five-star rating and review and also be sure to share with your friends siblings colleagues and anyone you think might enjoy the episode another way to support us is by subscribing to us on apple podcasts spotify google podcasts or wherever you're listening right now release new episodes every monday but don't forget to follow us at the yellow pill pod on instagram to stay in touch with us during the week that's at the yellow pill pod on instagram once again thank you for taking the yellow pill with us today i'm your co-host wally and right next to me is toby and we wish you the very best in the coming week till next time peace and love people peace and love